This is Reverend Charles Fenson. I'm the interim pastor at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa, California. This is the morning worship service. Our address is 2850 Fairview Road, Costa Mesa, California, 92626. Our website is pccov.org, and our Facebook page is pccov. And our email is info at pccov.org. We welcome you to this service. Our vision statement is that the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant is a Christ-centered community set free by grace and placed in our neighborhoods to serve and to invite all people into a wondrous relationship with God. God bless you as you worship with us.
Good morning, people of God. Good morning, friends in Christ. Welcome to worship. Welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant here in Costa Mesa on the second Sunday of Easter. We welcome all visitors to us today. Are there any we may introduce and welcome? Anyone bold enough to stand up and say who we are? I'm looking over in the corner there. All good? Okay, all right. Please take a moment to sign your friendship books and pass them along that we might have record of your worship. Our women are on retreat this Sunday. Good to see, good to see the men here. The first Sunday after Easter is often called Cannon Sunday. You can shoot a cannon through the church and hit no one, but not today. A good group. Today is our service for wholeness. If you have prayers for families or friends, for our nation, you may come forward. We have three stations, and we'll have special prayers and, and the anointing of oil for you following the uh, prayers of the people. Next Sunday is um, Orange County Marathon Sunday, so note that we have a bulletin insert for you. You might want to reroute your way to church. And also the first Sunday of the month, first Sunday of the month is Potluck Sunday. So bring, bring something to share. If you forget, stay anyway because I will have a big salad. That's right, that's right. Uh, the men are starting a new study called Where Jesus Prayed. And this will be on Tuesday afternoon at uh, 3 o'clock. I'll pass this through the congregation. And this book is available to all guys, the daytimers. Our lunch bunch meets at Alcapulco on um, Uno, Uno de Mayo. First of May, this Wednesday at noon. So all um, lunch bunch people are welcome. And the flowers this morning are in memory of Pastor Sharon's parents, the McKinnons, from Scotland. We had the service of memory for my brother John the Baptist up in Portland on a Friday afternoon. So I'll pass this to the congregation as well. See a picture of John. And thank you for your love and prayers. We had his graveside service yesterday afternoon in Portland and uh, flew back last night. And boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. As a church family, we pray for victims of violence in San Diego um, today and the sadness around our nation, around the world over this. We do have a church connection through the Ernest family, so we pray for Patty and for John. So you can speak with me more about that after service, but uh, just holding up the, the Ernest family now in your love and in your prayers. So let's stand and greet each other and ask your neighbor why they don't have their name tag on. Please ask them that. And proudly present your name tag to them. Proudly. 
Okay, can we take our seats and prepare our hearts for worship? And I'd like to invite you to join me in the responsive call to worship. Please stand. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. By God's great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Lord of life, submitting to death, you conquered the grave. By being lifted on a cross, you draw all peoples to you. By being raised from the dead, you restore to humanity all that we had lost through sin. Throughout these 50 days of Easter, we proclaim the marvelous mystery of faith, of death, and resurrection. For all praise is yours, now and through eternity. Amen. And now let us continue to worship by singing.
seated. And may we have all the children and youth and young at heart come on up, sit on these steps. Good. Michael, come up. Oh, come up. You're welcome. Debbie, come up. Good. Michael, come up. Okay, great. Nice to see you all. Today is the second Sunday of Easter, the first Sunday after Easter, and we have our service for wholeness on this fourth Sunday of the month, and we have oil here from Trader Joe's. That's right. That's right. And we're going to invite people to come forward and uh, oil and prayers and hands of blessing upon people in need, or their friends, or their families, or, or our world. Something unusual about this chancel area this morning, we don't always see things here. What's, what's going on? Yeah, what are these? These are bags. What's, what's in the bag? Can you open that bag up? Ooh, that's a heavy bag. These are bags. We're trying to collect how many bags? 100 bags. And what's in the bag? Shoes. <laughs> Can we delete that off the iPad? Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you never know. Okay, all right. Uh, what could you find in the bag? <laughs> Anything? <laughs> you know, there's a first for everything. In the, what else? Oh, yeah. Oh, a nice shirt, blouse. Okay. So we're collecting 100 bags, and where do these articles of clothing come from? They come from us, our closets, our drawers, underneath our beds, our house. Do we need these articles of clothing as much as other people need them? No. No. How many people have things in their closet they haven't worn in a year? Friends, if you haven't worn it in a year, you need to bring it to the church and we'll bring it to where's it going? Actually, today's the last day. Forget it. Where's it going? Um, we pick it up tomorrow at 10 a.m. But clothes for cash. And then they take whatever articles they can use and give them to other people. And if it can't be used, um, it somehow gets recycled and they make rugs out of it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. So recycled, reused, repurposed, all for people's comfort, people's happiness, and people's blessing. So let's lift up a hand of blessing upon these uh, bags. And there's, oh, you can put your hands on going that way too because they're out there 
And we ask, Lord, that these bags of clothing might go to needy people, to needy families, individuals in our community, elsewhere, um, that they will be repurposed and recycled and be reused for the blessing of others. They go with our love and they go with your grace through Christ our Lord. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to take these bags, if you would, and on your way out, put them in the anteroom here, and uh, and and the underwear and the underwear too, please. Oh, good. Okay, good, good, good. good. <laughs>
galaxy, the work of your hands. Galaxy spin in a heavenly dance, oh God, all that you are, so overwhelming. I hear the sound of your voice, all at once, it's a gentle and thundering noise, oh God, all that you are, so overwhelming.
remember that our Lord Jesus can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Since in every respect, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with boldness approach the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Would you join me? Gracious God. Okay, now join me. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. Hear the good news. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in the body on the cross that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. Okay. Please stand. Oh, oh. 
just a lamb of God. I was so lost, I should have died, but you have brought me to your side to be led by your staff and rod and to be Our scripture on this second Sunday of Easter is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, at verse 13. Let us now listen for God's word to us. On that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us, They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. 
as they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of the Lord. Shall we pray? O God, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing to yourself. We are your servants and we are listening. Amen. Luke, the storyteller, weaves it all together. There is the unknown traveler named Cleopas, his equally mysterious companion, also unnamed. There is the resurrected Jesus who is present, yet unrecognized. It was Easter Sunday afternoon. The two travelers were engaged in deep conversation concerning the recent events in Jerusalem. They probably didn't want to leave the city, but they had demands upon them personal or business in the town of Emmaus, some seven miles away. What terrible things we have been witnessing this week, Cleopas. Such sad things, said his companion. What things, came a third voice from behind. What are you discussing as you walk along? And they stood still, writes Luke, looking sad. We love this story of the walk to Emmaus. It seems to be a particular favorite of clergy. When I served in New England, nearby Connecticut Church's internship program at Yale Divinity School, placing students in parishes, nearly every ministerial candidate, when asked, what's your favorite biblical story, cited this Emmaus passage in Luke 24. They were touched by these two travelers who were blind to the presence and person of Christ until their hearts were set burning by his teaching and their eyes were opened in the breaking of the bread. Perhaps future pastors related to these travelers who along the road of faith were changed by Jesus. This painting hung over our mantle for years growing up in La Cañada. It has pleasant memories. So the two companions, with their eyes blinded as to who this inquisitor was, backtracked. Are you the only person in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? And Jesus asked, like a playful parent, who knew everything, what things? 
And then he listened patiently to their version of reality. This Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet mighty in word and deed before all the people and before God, how he was handed over to death and death by crucifixion. And we were hoping that this would be the one to redeem Israel. And that happened three days ago. And now we're hearing these incredulous stories. Some women of our group are saying that they went to the tomb, but they found no body. They came back to us with a story of angels who said he was alive. And then we went out to the tomb with some of the boys because we know that women cannot be trusted. And it was just as the women had said, no body, empty tomb. And the unrecognized Jesus listened and after listening began to speak, and I believe these are tender, not scolding words, tender words of assurance and grace. Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart you are to believe all that the biblical writers and biblical prophets have declared. It was not only important, but it was necessary that the Messiah suffer in this way suffer in order that he may enter into his glory. That was the plan and purpose of God all along. And the law writers and the historians and the poets and the prophets from Moses to Malachi all speak of me, said Jesus. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them the things about himself. Yes, Daniel wrote the Messiah would be a mighty and glorious son of man, but Isaiah said that that same Messiah would be a willing, suffering servant. And the two listeners, now learners, had never made the link that Christ was part of the wolf and weave of their own Hebrew Scriptures. Luke tells us that the travelers and the unrecognized Christ came near a village. And the Lord walked on ahead, but they stopped him and urged him strongly, stay with us for the day is nearly over. We sing the hymn from this Emmaus story, abide with me, fast falls the eventide, the darkness deepens, Lord with me abide. So Jesus stayed with them at supper and Jesus took bread Stay with us. Stay with us. Jesus stayed with them. And at supper, Jesus took bread. He blessed it and broke it. Why, that's how Jesus shared His suppers too. Luke tells us that their eyes were opened and He vanished. One of the most Dramatic stories of the Bible, once three, now two. And they said to themselves, did not our hearts burn within us as He talked with us and opened Scriptures to us? And that very hour they returned to Jerusalem to tell the hidden eleven, the Lord has risen indeed. What makes this story so remarkable is how unremarkable it is. We can understand Jesus appearing to the remaining disciples or to the faithful women or even to the Apostle Paul. These would be all very practical appearances in order to establish the church and the church's mission. But Cleopas and his companion 
They're nobodies. We never, after this text, hear about Cleopas and his companion again. You see, they could be any one of us. Their road to Emmaus is an ordinary road. It's a road that each of us travels every day. The road to work, the road to the gym, the road to the store, the road to school. The Emmaus story is a lesson that God walks beside us and with us in all of our confusion, all of our pain, all of our loss of faith and hope. This Emmaus story may be so popular with clergy. The Emmaus story tells us that we don't connect with Christ by handing God our unshakable faith or saying, God, look at my profound spirituality. We don't find God by identifying ourselves as reverend or elder or even average church member. Cleopas and his friend were ordinary folks traveling an ordinary road, and they were amongst the first to have the grand adventure of following Jesus and his disciples, and now that for them was over. Perhaps they were walking back home and in their confusion and in their loss and in their anger. Not very laudatory attributes that would qualify them for service among the faithful. Yet in their sadness, writes Luke, the Savior catches up with them one day on a road trip, pursued them, taught them, revealed himself to them, and their eyes were opened. You and I are ordinary travelers, and Christ is pursuing us. And sometimes we have no idea what God is doing with us. These two certainly didn't. And they said to this stranger, stay with us, and he did. I want to offer for us on this Sunday after Easter a little exercise. I want to have us call to our remembrance from this Emmaus story three attributes of Jesus experienced by every believer. First of all, in your life and in my life, remember the pursuing Jesus. Notice that Jesus pursues with vigilance. His own. These two were walking away from Jerusalem, and Jesus went after them. These two were absorbed in conversation, and Jesus broke in. Jesus questioned, he corrected, he struggled, he clarified, he stayed, and he ate. And he does so today with you and me. As a Christian, at some point in your life, in your past, Jesus caught up with you and caught up with me. Maybe it was dramatic. Maybe you were not even aware of it. But our Lord pursued and overtook you and still does. For me, it was a a summer camp experience as a student or a young life kid. I served a Quaker meeting in, um, in Whittier, First Friends. And they said, you can come be our interim pastor, just don't make us Presbyterians. We're Quakers. So I said, fine. But what I learned from these friends is the power of silence. So we're going to take 30 seconds of silence. And I want you to remember, if you can, 
the spot on the road where our Lord pursued you and overtook you and found you. Maybe it was dramatic, maybe it was gradual. Maybe it was your parents, maybe it was a church, maybe a book. Let's remember in silence. the pursuing Christ, the explaining Christ. Probably nowhere else in the Gospels do we see Jesus so colorful and so patient a teacher than in this Emmaus story. Our Lord has spent the last three years, and particularly the closing weeks of His ministry, clearly explaining that the Messiah had to first suffer the sting of death, that the one to redeem Israel was destined to go by way of the cross, and in doing so, sinners may be put right with God. All this ground our Lord had covered in His teaching, yet these two followers, and even the twelve, did not quite understand. So Jesus patiently, carefully opens their own scriptures to them, prophet by prophet, and taught them the things concerning himself, explaining in a seven-mile sermon. On this second Sunday of Easter, we remember again the gracious Christ is our kind teacher, unwilling to quit on you and me as pupils. You and your Christian life have been taught by the same Emmaus teacher. You've been taught fairness. You've been taught mercy. You've been taught patience, humility. You've been taught to give to those in need. So in this second time of silence, I want you to remember, and I will too, what has our Lord explained to you in this past 2018-2019 year? Or what is our Lord explaining to you now through the Scriptures, through the Spirit, through other believers? 30 seconds. What's Christ explaining of himself to you. These three travelers approach the now lost village of Emmaus. No one knows where Emmaus is. Jesus asked and acted as if he were going on, moving somewhere else. 
But these two adherents prevailed upon him for the night was here. Jesus is persuaded to stay. He shared a common meal. But by his prayers and by the manner of his breaking bread, something happened. Jesus moved for them from pursuer and from explainer to revealer. In this mysterious moment, Jesus revealed himself to them, all to their wonder and joy. Note the text does not say they opened their eyes. The text says their eyes were opened. You see, God opens our blind eyes to the riches of God's grace. Jesus reveals his person and ministry loving to our indifferent hearts. That's part of our Presbyterian and Reformed theology. It's not we who accept Christ. We do. But behind all of that, our reaching out is God long before reaching out to us in grace. The Holy Spirit convicts and convinces us that the gospel is our light and salvation. Their eyes were open and the two recognized them and then their remarkable response, did not our hearts burn within us while he opened to us the scriptures? Jesus pursues, Jesus explains, Jesus reveals. Christ opens our eyes Blind, now sighted. Alone, now befriended. Confused, now understanding. Cool, now burning. Final question. What scriptural, spiritual, social issue is burning in your heart this year? What has God laid upon your spirit that would burn in your heart this spring and summer? Perhaps it's a ministry in this church. Perhaps it's a ministry in this community. What's tugging at you? Time to be Quakers again. 30 seconds. Let's listen to that revealing Christ, that still small voice. Did you ever have a a professor in college that would say, if you miss everything in this talk, but just get this one thing, (laughs) take that away, this is it. Raymond Brown, Roman Catholic New Testament scholar who taught at Union Theological Seminary in New York City for years, wrote a little piece called The Risen Christ in the Early Christian Community. And Brown explains that Luke is writing to a Greek church 50 years after the death of Jesus. And Luke's readers probably never knew or maybe even never met anyone 
who had known Jesus of Nazareth personally. And those readers may have been envious of the eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Oh, to be there, hearing, talking with the risen Christ. If only I were there, belief wouldn't be hard at all. And Professor Brown writes that Luke, and only Luke has this Emmaus story, included this Emmaus just for those Greek readers who were thinking, oh, if I were only there. For you see, argues Brown, no one, not even these two walkers, recognized Jesus for who he was. No one understood Jesus' message and believed them until two things happened. The Scriptures were opened and the bread was broken. Those two things. Only then is Christ known to hearts. And so you Greeks, 50 years after the death of Jesus, writes Luke, even though you haven't seen Jesus or met Him or known anyone who had, you know Him too. Because in your worship services, as you gather in homes, the Scriptures are preached and the supper, communion is shared. And not just 50 years after Jesus, but every Christian community for 21 centuries, we know the risen Christ in the Scriptures, in the sacraments. The pursuing Christ, catching up with you and me, granting faith, that's called conversion. The explaining Jesus, teaching you His words and ways, that's called instruction. And the revealing Christ, igniting you to service, that's holy living, sanctification. It's a haunting, unusual, but wonderful story, is it not? Jesus and the Emmaus walk, all part of surprising Christ, arriving in surprising places and ways. As those two adherents of old constrained Jesus to abide with them, for the day is well spent. So we pray that the same Christ would abide with you and me, as we know the presence of our risen Lord on this day. So may God so love us in this transitional 2000. 19 year at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. Shall we pray? Gracious and sovereign God, you touch our hearts in converting us away from evil and toward Christ. You instruct our choices, our hands and feet to more closely follow your way. And you, Holy Spirit, place a desire and fire in our spirits for justice and peace in this weary world. Help us to remember this Emmaus gospel story this day and live by it for the sake of Jesus, our risen Lord. Amen. Let's uh, sing a hymn of our journeys with God. Um, O Master, let me walk with Thee. Please rise as we sing together.
Please be seated. Amen. Now please be seated. Thank you. We have heard the gospel preached to our waiting hearts. We now respond to that glorious good news by giving back to God our morning tithes and offerings. Our ushers will please wait upon us.
may be seated. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Ephesians 6, 8. Shall we pray together? Loving and merciful God, we pray this morning for a fresh touch from you. As we continue worshiping you this Easter season, continue to mold us and shape us as your disciples for such a time as this, for a world that really needs you. Lord, we lift up prayers for Sri Lanka, for those grieving lost ones from the senseless bombings last week. We pray, too, for peace for Syria and for our brothers and sisters and our sister churches there, that they would grow and flourish. And as we lift up your church in Syria, we pray, too, for our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world, that they may feel your hand of protection and guidance. Father, we pray for the Jewish community and the senseless act of violence in San Diego yesterday. We lift up to you the Shabbat Temple community and the family and friends of those killed and injured. May your love and mercy be a soothing presence during this time of confusion, fear, and grief. We pray, too, for the young man responsible for this tragedy. Have mercy on him, Lord. Whether it's Sri Lanka, San Diego, New Zealand, or Pittsburgh, these mass shootings on religious communities have become all too commonplace. Lord, give us wisdom in our role to stop this senseless violence. Right here in our midst, we have so many needs. We pray for the Ernest family. We pray for Pastor Charles and his family as they grieve the passing of Brother John and remember with gratitude his life of service to you, Lord. We pray for Cornell's mother as diagnosis and treatment options are explored. Bless Cornell's time together with his mom. We lift up Johnny Ernest, who is home from the hospital recovering, and Gwen Conway, who is still hospitalized. Bless them both with your presence and your hand of healing. We pause for a moment of silence to lift up those close to us in need of prayer. We lift these spoken and silent prayers to to you, O Lord, in your strong name, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. In our Presbyterian Book of Common Worship, there is a liturgy called the Service for Wholeness, and we do this once a month here at Covenant, and we invite those who would like special prayers for themselves, for their family, friends, a need in our world to come forward, and Amy and Sharon and I will uh, pray with you and for you and lay this oil, an ancient symbol of healing um, in the Christian tradition. So hear the promises of God from Isaiah. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run 
and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God consoles us in all our affliction so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction. For just as the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our consolation is abundant through Christ. Let us pray together. Gracious God, source of all healing, in Jesus Christ you heal the sick and mend the broken. We bless you for this oil pressed from the fruits of the earth, given to us as a sign of healing and forgiveness, and of the fullness of life you give. By your Spirit, come upon all who receive this ministry of compassion, that they may receive your healing touch and be made whole. To the glory of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. 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 All things are now ready. Please come.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to conclude our service with a hymn that we sang at my brother's memorial service on Thursday up in Portland. He leadeth me. Please stand. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit rest and remain with each one this day, this night, in the season of Eastertide and forevermore. Amen.
This is Pastor Charles Fenson again, and we invite you at any point to come and worship with us here at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa. We trust that God has been honored by this worship service and that you have been blessed. God be with you.